Welcome to Generations. This is Kevin Swanson, your host. Bill Jack from World View Academy with me today as well. Popular folk singer Jimmy Buffett has gone to meet his maker at 76 years of age. Bill, it's appointed once for man to die, and after that, the judgment. Somebody said the only two things sure in life is death and taxes. That's wrong. The only thing sure in life is death and judgment. Exactly. Forget taxes. He, he suffered from a rare type of skin cancer that uh, he kept hidden for a while. He kept performing. It's interesting. He, he advocated being out in the sun a fair amount in yeah. his life, which is yeah. interesting. I don't know, don't know if there's a direct tie-in to being out in the sun and I think having the, this type yeah, of skin cancer. But I think it's exacerbated by, by exposure to the sun. I mm-hmm. think it's a, it's a very rare carcinoma. Mm-hmm. But um, he did advocate kind of a hedonistic lifestyle. He did. And I want to get to that worldview. In just a moment, he died one of the world's richest musicians worth a billion dollars. I think his wow. net worth topped a billion last year. His philosophy was summed up in the song Landfall. If I had it all to do over again, I'd just get myself drunk and I'd jump right back in. Quote, unquote. Jesus actually clarified the better way when he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's not hedonism. Right. That's denying yourself, taking up the cross, and following Jesus. That's what that is. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What Jesus is saying here, Bill, is that we're not dealing with the eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we don't exist. We're dealing with the eternality of a human soul. Mm -hmm. And, And Jesus is dead serious on this. Uh, I mean, this is it. You've got an eternal soul. Handle it carefully. That's, that's the word here. Yeah. Very talented individual, popular, followed by millions of people. His songs were, were feel-good songs. Yeah. They weren't, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't protesting things usually no. that, that I recall. And he, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's a life devoted to a cause, which was, not overtly, from what I can see, the cause of Christ. Nope. Uh-uh. There's a cause of self, ultimately self. It's interesting. Somebody was contrasting the the porpoise of life versus Rick Warren's purpose, purpose. for life. Yeah. And uh, ultimately, they found the distinction being that uh, that Rick Warren suggested that purpose for life was to glorify God. And these guys, the poor pus of life was to live for self. Yeah. And that's effectively what it came down to. The, the difference between Rick Warren and Jimmy Buffett turned out to be that Jimmy Buffett was living a life for self, mm-hmm. for self. But Jesus said, you got to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. And if you desire to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake, you will find it. A wholly different philosophy for Jesus versus Jimmy Buffett. Be back with more to analyze the music and the worldview of Jimmy Buffett in just a moment. Hello. 
Hello, my friends. Our families and churches are crying out for men to lead, to shepherd. There is no greater need today than this. We need shepherds. We need shepherding for the shepherds. And I'm not exaggerating here, but the Shepherds Conference is the most important function of our ministry in any given year. For 12 years, we have sponsored this week-long training in my home and down the street at our church building so that men from around the country and around the world can gather in a serious, immersive, intensive training for five days. The best thing you can do and we can do for our families and churches is invest in Christ-like shepherding, shepherd training. This year, we're looking at October 2nd through the 6th out here in my hometown, Elizabeth, Colorado. It's only about 40 guys. We bring in the most experienced, godly shepherds to lead the sessions. Our daughters make the meals and we gather for worship, teaching, psalm singing, prayer, and small groups and fellowship for five days out here on the eastern plains of Colorado. We still have a few openings, so now's a good time to register at www.generations.org backslash shepherds. That's generations.org backslash shepherds. Meals and lodging provided for a nominal cost. Uh, Come on down and join us for Shepherds Conference 23. And we're back on Generations as we consider the departure of Jimmy Buffett, who has gone to meet his maker. Well, my friends, uh, the philosophy that so much affected so many people, and Jimmy Buffett's philosophy, of course, was fairly mainstream. It wasn't complicated in the sense that you've got to read John Paul Sartre and Frederick Nietzsche to figure out uh, a philosophy that will kind of work for you until Judgment Day. But this, this, uh, this was a fairly simplistic presentation of a mainstream philosophy that so many people are going to embrace all the way to Judgment Day. It's going to be very sad when they wake up and realize that they have embraced the wrong philosophy and they will be facing eternal hellfire forever. Well, first of all, the first element of it is the philosophy of escape and irresponsibility. And oftentimes, Bill, what you get with the surf culture, the skiing culture, the vacation culture is an escape from reality, an escape from responsibility. It's a big part of the American vacation mentality. You see these 49-year-old men on the ski slopes or out on the beaches and they haven't grown up yet or they're just ignoring reality. And uh, it's a pretty sad situation. One one of his most famous songs, of course, is Margaritaville. And in his commentary on that to Rolling Stone in 2017, he said, quote, there was a melancholy to Key West, and there is a melancholy to people who are escaping. Which is what this is all about. Exactly. Just escaping. Here's another line from Changes in Latitude, Changes in Attitude. Reading departure signs in some big airport reminds me of the places I've been. Visions of good things that brought so much pleasure makes me want to go back again. If it suddenly ended tomorrow, I could somehow adjust to the fall. These changes in latitudes, changes in attitudes, nothing remains quite the same. Through all of the islands and all of the highlands, if we couldn't laugh, we would all go insane. In other words, just close your eyes and pretend none of this reality exists. If you laugh loud enough, maybe you won't have to deal with God and judgment and the footsteps of death approaching you. It's a pretty shallow philosophy, if you think about it, Bill. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, putting your hands over your eyes and just saying as loud as you can, this reality doesn't exist, this reality doesn't exist, this reality doesn't exist. It's, it's whistling by the graveyard yeah. as you walk by the graveyard. Yeah. It's also a revolt against maturity. 
this is man's sinful tendency, especially true for men, more so than women, but uh, it's also the thing that kills manhood, the idea of avoiding maturity, avoiding work, and seeing that the, the ultimate achievement in life is to shove off any kind of work and go off into the oblivion of drunkenness, partying and doing whatever you want to do on the beaches of the Bahamas. Uh, work was uh, to have been part of life. It was, it was there in the Garden of Eden. It was to provide the joy of fulfillment and God's goal of maturity for man. But because of the curse, man is often subject to the frustration of meaninglessness, degrading work. True work is the exercise of dominion over the creation under God. Uh, when man's work is separated from dominion of the created world, he's often subject to moral and religious paralysis and becomes sick. And psychologically, the man of Margaritaville is attempting to throw off the curse in his own way. He often tries to escape reality and thereby escape the reality of guilt, sin, God, and the only salvation possible. So it is avoiding the curse. It's, it's pretending the curse doesn't exist, that somehow if we can just be on a perpetual vacation, we don't have to come face to face with the curse of sin that comes by way of the sweat of the brow let alone the possibility of death. So you have two things you're facing. One is the curse of the thorns and thistles, and then you have the curse of death that hangs over you. And these are the two things that man is trying to escape by purchasing Jimmy Buffett albums. It's a philosophy of escape. It's the philosophy of enjoying the present and pretending there will be no future. Bill, I think that's pretty much it. It's enjoying the journey and pretending there's no destination yeah. of heaven or hell. Yeah. See, again, sort of like what John Lennon was saying, right? No heaven, no hell. And, and this, this, this is what, you know, the modern popular philosopher wants to sell to the people. is like, you know, enjoy the journey and pretend there is no destination, that we're not going anywhere, that we'll just die and turn out to be just cosmic dust, you know, distributed across a universe of pure chance and meaninglessness. So that, that's your best shot. That's, that's what they're hoping for. You know, that's best case for for the unbeliever. Well, of course, he's going to face his own guilt at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ at the very end, and hear those words: "Depart from me, you cursed, you workers of iniquity." And and that's what they're trying to avoid, Bill. They're trying to avoid that. Yeah. You know, it's five o'clock somewhere. Is the is yeah the yeah that was another one of the hits, right? Yeah, along with Alan Jackson. And uh, the, the question is, what would Jimmy Buffett do? Is that's that's yeah. the theme of the song, you know. It's five o'clock somewhere. Might as well start drinking. Yeah. And then the big question is, what would Jimmy Buffett do? Well, we know what Jimmy Buffett would do from all his lyrics, from all his songs. And that is, he would seek pleasure above all else. And that's that. There, there's an emptiness there, and he he echoed it in his lyrics. He he was honest enough that he echoed it. Uh, he stated it overtly. But he did not offer a solution. The the irony of it is that, you know, he built an empire. He he, he actually didn't give way to pure hedonism as he was right. selling it in his songs, but made a ton of money off selling the songs yeah. that was selling hedonism. Yeah. It's also a capitulation to sin, an existence of womanizing, a drinking oneself into oblivion and sailing away from one's problems. And it was very much, and I've mentioned this before, you'll find it in my book on culture called The Tattooed Jesus. 
But uh, this is the man in the iron cage. So much of literature, movies, music is performed by and produced by the man in the iron cage. I'm going to get to that story in just a moment from John Bunyan. John Bunyan's story, The Pilgrim's Progress, has some genius moments in which he really pictures these various characters that existed in the 17th century and still exist to this day. But here's the man in the iron cage. He's the man who's hopelessly sunk in his sin, and it's the apostate Christian man. And, and, and that indeed is what Jimmy Buffett configures or patterns for us. He is very much the apostate Christian man of the 20th and 21st centuries, wasting away in Margaritaville because it's his own default, which means he's consigned himself to damnation and condemnation. That is, there's no way out. He doesn't find any way out. He's in the iron cage, and there is no hope. So he remains there and tries to get comfortable in that position. It's similar to one of the most popular songs from the 1950s by Roger Miller called Dang Me, They Ought to Take a Rope and Hang Me, High from the Highest Tree, Woman Don't You Weep for Me. Uh, again, it's, it's, it's the, the man who consigns himself to utter destruction and damnation. And he's the Hebrew six guy. And, and this, again, comes from Pilgrim's Progress. And let me read this. This comes directly from the original Pilgrim's Progress, where Christian is in the house of the interpreter, and the interpreter is something of the teacher or the pastor, and he's showing him various things that are important to know about the Christian life. And so they come to this man in the very dark room, He's a man in the iron cage. Now, the man to look on seemed very sad. He sat with his eyes looking down to the ground, his hands folded together, and he sighed as if he would break his heart, and then said, Christian, what means this? At which the interpreter bid him talk with the man, then said, Christian, to the man, what art thou? And the man answered, I am what I was not once. And Christian said, what was thou once? And the man says, I was once a fair and flourishing professor, both in mine own eyes and also in the eyes of others. I once was, as I thought, fair for the celestial city and had then even joy at the thoughts that I should go thither. And the Christian said, well, but what art thou now? I am now a man of despair and I'm shut up in it as in this iron cage. I cannot get out. Oh, now I cannot. Christian, but how camest thou in this condition? I left off to watch and to be sober. I left the reins upon the neck of my lusts. I sinned against the light of the word and the goodness of God. I've grieved the spirit. He is gone. I tempted the devil. He's come to me. I have provoked God to anger. He's left me. I've so hardened my heart that I cannot repent. This said Christian to the interpreter, but is there no hope for such a man as this? Ask him, said the interpreter. Nay, said Christian, pray, sir, do you? Then said the interpreter, is there no hope, but you must be kept in the iron cage of despair? The man said, no, none at all. No hope at all. Why, the son of the blessed is very pitiful. I have crucified him to myself afresh, Hebrews 6, 6. I have despised his person. I have despised his righteousness. I have counted his blood an unholy thing. I have done despot to the spirit of grace. Therefore, I have shut myself out of all the promises, and there now remains to me nothing but threatenings, dreadful threatenings, fearful threatenings of certain judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour me as an adversary. But what brought you into this condition, says the interpreter? The man said, for the lusts, pleasures, profits of this world, in the enjoyment of which I did then promise myself much delight, but now every one of those things also bite me and gnaw me like a burning worm. But canst thou not now repent and turn? The man said, God hath denied me repentance. His word gives me no encouragement to believe, and so on it goes. So this is kind of a fearful sort of a scene that is set for us by John Bunyan in The Pilgrim's Progress. 
Um, and Christian, of course, is saying, this is fearful. God, help me to watch me sober, to pray that I may shun the cause of this man's misery. And then, hey, let's get out of here. <laughs> so the next point he made. But here's one of the points I want to make. And that is, Bill, when you have a musician or you know somebody who is in the iron cage, in this state of despair and hopelessness, he creates a culture that often draws others into that cage with him. In other words, people begin to have this this kind of fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. They get in there with him. And some of these songs become their favorite song. Margaritaville is an example. Right. You know, where it's his own default. He's under the spirit of condemnation and damnation. He is damned. He receives the fact that he is damned. And he he sort of celebrates the hopelessness of his condition, and he invites others into it. And, and they, that's it the scary part. Anthem. It becomes their anthem. Yeah. yeah. And it becomes the, the, the goal for them as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to join in this despair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm going to join right. in this nihilism. And because the song is easy, it's got a good beat, and it's easy to dance to. And the message is despairing, but I'm going to laugh you mentioned that uh jimmy buffett referred to jesus at one point yeah in fact there, I, mean, a, I didn't know that well there's one of the songs that's the strange strangest title ever uh, it's my head hurts my feet stink and i don't love jesus boy if that isn't a self-conscious mm. self-consistent view coming from the man in the iron cage i don't know what is that's pretty the, pretty fearful if you think yeah, about it the, and the commentator um says well, you know, Buffett could display a lighter, more puckish touch. In other words, the dude had a sense of humor. Yeah. No. Laughing his way to hell is yeah, what happens that's there. Not, that's not. Mm-hmm. So the, the, in the song, it could be a country western song, the narrator winds up in a bar listening to Merle Haggard records before hooking up with a fellow customer, waking up at her place, hung over the next morning. So it's, again, it's, pretty sad. it's mm-hmm. despairing. Yeah, yeah. It's an empty, empty life. Yeah. That is celebrated. Well, all, all that to say, you know, we've taken a look at the man in the iron cage. Let's get on with things. Let's uh, let's realize that the hope is in Jesus Christ. And sadly, so many have run away from him instead of running to him. Hmm. How do you deal with death? Well, there's only one way to deal with death, sin and the consequences of sin. And that is through Jesus Christ, the Savior of God. Yeah. And he has overcome the enemies of the human soul by his death and resurrection. And this is the good news. Bill, you just wonder why hope doesn't sell. You know, This kind of stuff sells, which is kind of sad, isn't it? That the gospel doesn't sell like Jimmy yeah. Buffett sells. It's kind yeah. of sad, but it certainly is a commentary on where humans are by nature. And, and yet every, every picture you see of Jimmy Buffett, he's got this broad smile, yeah. you know, and this happy-go-lucky vibe and attitude about him you wonder if that's the way he was in private though. Uh, you, you you have to you have to ask that question because his lyrics don't reflect Mm-mm. a happy-go-lucky no, life they, no, they reflect they the reality of mm-hmm. of the emptiness of hedonism and it which is an interesting interesting take on how he was perceived and what he actually wrote yeah well, friends, uh, the end of the story is, let's be sure we represent a culture, a music, an expression that expresses in our clothing, our music, our cultural expressions, all of them, the resurrection of Jesus, the, the hope of final glory that all of this does end well. That's the point that Jimmy Buffett 
could not make in any of his music. But we can make that point. Well, as we wrap up this program, let me encourage you to my little book on culture to help you better understand culture, music, movies, etc. It's called The Tattooed Jesus. What would the real Jesus do with pop culture? Get a copy of The Tattooed Jesus at our website, generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson and Bill Jack inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation. 